John chapter 15, John chapter 15, and we're going to look at one verse to start with. Uh, this is going to be a, uh, a Bible uh, study, and, but I'm going to start out uh, with uh, a little bit just telling you uh, just a story, and, uh, and the point of that is just to whet your appetite, and if I think it'll all make sense at the end, we'll bring it all together, but if you look at John chapter 15 and verse number 16 with me, John chapter 15 and verse number 16. And you can remain seated, but uh, once you get there, I will ask if you will uh, read this aloud with me. So John chapter 15 and verse number 16. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not there, say rigatikatambonusarambulumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumumum
And uh, I enjoy VBS, I enjoy uh, camps, I enjoy uh, Super Summer Sunday Nights, Committed Couples Class. Don't forget about being in your place on Sunday night so Mr. Cook can win himself a Bible. And, uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited about all the things that transpire in, uh, in the summer. We've enjoyed the last couple of years. We had uh, Brother Jeff Jarrett let me know of a, uh, of a sale that was going on last year at Big Lots, and I purchased a three-foot deep above ground pool. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. And so I was setting it up. So the Jarrett's, uh, so Job and Jace, and I think Joseph came over last year and helped me set it up this year. I couldn't find them when I needed them. And so I was out there in the blazing heat, but I wasn't complaining, setting it up myself. And it's just a lot of fun in the summertime. You know, Chloe and Cole, he'll get in his little floaty and he'll float around and jump in. And then to top it all off, you know, on a hot summer day, jumping in the pool, then afterwards, nothing like a piece of watermelon, just that fruit in the summer. I remember as a kid, one of my favorite, I used to love summer. Probably the top uh, reason was I was out of school. And, uh, but I remember in, uh, as a kid, you know, being in, you know, uh, whatever, third, fourth grade, and, uh, and I, I anticipated summer. But one reason I anticipated summer was I anticipated the fruit of summer. I anticipated the fruit of summer. I love fruit. I love strawberries, blueberries, uh, 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 Swartz, I'll be about soon <laughs> and after preaching this message, but blueberries, blackberries, peaches, apples, pears, watermelon, grapes, you name it, I love fruit. When I was little, we used to live at my grandma's house. She lived in Cedar Falls, which is about seven minutes from the school property. If you come out from the school, take a right, go down to the light, the first set of lights uh, right there where the two gas stations are, take a right, go all the way down Laughlin Pond, come to the stop sign right across is the old Cedar Falls uh, post office, and then you take a left on Wicker Level, go down the first street on the light, uh, on the uh, on the right, past the uh, the jockey uh, old uh, jockey factory there, and uh, first street on the right, Jennings Road. You head up the hill, and uh, and so I tell you know I, tell, I used to tell like where we lived, uh, you know, and my wife was from California, right outside of Los Angeles, and she would be horrified. Why are you telling people where we live? <laughs> and uh, honey, I'm not telling where we live. I'm telling where Granny lives. And uh, so you go to Jennings Road, take a right, and head up the hill. And then when you crest the hill, there's a house on the right. The next house is, uh, was my great, uh, my great aunt Viola. She lived there. And then up above her was, was another house they built where my cousin lived. And then if you go to the next one, the next house, uh, uh, past my aunt Viola's house on the right, uh, was my grandma's house. But her house was not right there visible. It's actually down the hill. And there's her garden there. And then there's her gravel driveway right on the other side there. And uh, then below, uh, down off the hill, is my grandma's white house down there. But right on the right was the garden. Then as soon as you pass the garden, to turn on the gravel driveway, it turns from asphalt to gravel driveway, there's a couple really tall persimmon trees. There's grapevines right there. And then as you go down the hill, get down the gravel hill, I guess maybe 70 yards or something, just down the hill. I used to ride my bike down it, you know, and how many of you used to have, as a kid, you know, you had the bike with the, uh, with the brakes on the, on, the, uh, on the pedal, and you slam the pedal, and you know, make little snake signs all the way down, and I enjoyed doing that. But if you drive all the way down, and then uh, down the hill, there's flowers all along the bank, and uh, so anytime I go visit my grandma, she asked me if I, if I looked at her flowers. Yes, grandma, I looked at your flowers, and uh, but she's always loved flowers, but as soon as you turn in, and so you get down the gravel driveway, turn in, and right there's her house, and as you look to the right, 
All you can see flowers and fruit trees and grapevines and their garden up there. And on the left is the uh, is her little rock bed, which when I was like 13 or 14, I went in the woods. And so and this is how bored I was. And I just went and got the prettiest uh, and biggest rocks I could hoist up and put in the wheelbarrow. And so I'd bring them out. And so I made her a rock, uh, you know, a little a little flower bed there made out of rocks. And uh, to this day, she's still super proud of the of the flower bed that her grandson made her. And uh, but in there, she planted scores of flowers. He planted a couple apple trees. So in my so my grandma's yard right now, you go there. There's grapevines galore. There are apple trees. There are pear trees. There uh, there's a peach tree. Uh, there are all along the edges now. There are blackberries and uh, and so. But that's just. But as a kid, I used to anticipate. Uh, I used to anticipate uh, summer, and uh, we used to have some. We used to have some wild strawberries at the end of Jennings Road. So if, you, uh, so if you'll back up with me in your mind's eye, and we're going to go back up the hill now. So now we're passing all the flowers. Now we're passing the grapevine and the tall persimmon trees. As you take a right and you get back on the asphalt, on the left, and so I told you my great aunt lived here, my cousin lived up here, my grandma lived down the hill. When you t- uh, on the left is my great Uncle Tommy's house. And so it was like, so we had tons of family, you know, and then if they weren't family, they were close friends of the family. So it was like the ideal situation as a kid because you know everybody. And, uh, and so my Uncle Tommy's house is, is right here on the left. And then right next to his house is his building that he built and he refinished furniture in. And his building is as big, if not bigger, than his house. And, uh, and so he used to refinish furniture there. And right next to, uh, uh, to, the, uh, to the building was, uh, is his garden. So he'd have a, he's had a garden there. And my Uncle Tommy, he was, my, uh, he was like my father figure uh, growing up. And as I mentioned, you know, we'd always go to Granny's house. My papa, he was still living, but when I was two, my papa had a, uh, he had a brain tumor. And, uh, but miraculously, uh, he, he lived, they didn't say, he, they only said he had a few months to live, but miraculously, he lived through that, and he's still, uh, he's in his 80s now, and he's still, uh, he's still, you know, uh, uh, alive today. And, uh, but my papa was more like the buddy that you get in trouble with. That was my papa. And because uh, he had the mindset of a child, you know, as a, as, just because of the brain tumor and everything. So, for instance, uh, still to this day, he's a diabetic, and he'll sneak into the kitchen and get all the sugary candy that he can get his hands on. If there's ice cream in the house, my papa will find the ice cream. He'll sneak out. He'll go over, you know, if there's, a, and, and he'll get uh, in Granny's, you know, garden, whatever it is. If there's something sweet, he's going he's gonna to get into it. But uh, one day when I was, <laughs> I remember it as, as a kid, uh, my papa chewed red man chewing tobacco. And I was like third, fourth grade. So I said, Papa, I said, uh, can I have a chaw? He's like, okay. He's my 60-year-old buddy. And uh, so, he, so he gives me a chaw. And uh, so I put it, put it, tuck it up in my, you know, in my, in my jaw there. And I remember taking my bike and riding up the hill. And at that time, I had, you know, the quintessential, you know, third, fourth grade, you know, bike with the, uh, equipped with the clip uh, with the baseball card, you know, right there by the rear tire. And when you go at high speeds, you know, it turns into sounds like a dirt bike. And uh, so I was, here I was, I rode up the hill, and I was riding down the hill, and I was riding riding down the road, and I was, you know, spitting on the pavement. And then my uncle, you know, my uncle Tommy comes out of his, comes out of his, uh, he comes out of his, uh, his shop there. He said, he said, Sean, he said, uh, he called me Shawnee boy. He said, Shawnee boy. He said, what are you chewing? I said, back <laughs> he said and then he uh said uh, said some things uh they were they were in french though 
And uh, so, because the other times he would use those words, he would say, please, please pardon my French. And uh, so, but needless to say, I never, I never chewed tobacco again after that. Uh, thir- and I wasn't saved at that time, so, you, so a little bit of grace, please. And, uh, but during the summertime, so, my, so it was all there, we lived there, and uh, so it was, it was a pretty awesome, awesome way of growing up as a little kid. And, but in the summertime, the first fruits that would come in were the wild strawberries at the end of Jennings Road. So past my Uncle Tommy's house, there was a couple more houses. Then the road ran out, and it turned from asphalt to gravel. And right there on the left-hand side of the road, in, in this open field that was bush-hogged about every three to four years, there were these wild strawberries. Now, I've still never been able to find wild strawberries. Like, and it could be like as a kid, you know, like you have these things in your mind, and you imagine something like they didn't even exist like that. But in my mind, here's what I remember. <laughs> I remember these little strawberries that were about the size of blackberries, and they were wild strawberries, and they were the sweetest strawberries you have ever put in your mouth. They were amazing. And those are the first, those are the first fruits that came in in the summer. Next, after the strawberries, so after the strawberries went out, then were the blackberries. If you go back down Jennings Road, before you head out to get on Wicker Level, to the left, there's a, there's, well, across, across the way, there's old, a set of old railroad tracks. And down, as you go into the woods there, down either side of the railroad tracks, blackberries galore on either side. So we used to go down there, and I was a kid, you know, I had my little bucket, and my great aunt and my grandma would walk down the hill, and, uh, you know, we'd go with our buckets, and I'd eat twice as many blackberries as I'd, as I'd pick. And, uh, and so, uh, and so I'd, and we'd do that, and then we'd get tons of blackberries, and my great aunt would make, you know, my grandma, they'd make blackberry pies and blackberry jams, and, and, uh, and so they were, uh, they had, both of those ladies in my life, you know, had the spiritual gift gift of cooking and baking. And uh, speaking of that, Miss Faye, uh, I'm almost out of the uh, the blackberry jelly that you gave me. So, uh, <laughs> so Miss Faye Bennett also found in the uh, Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith there. And uh, but these but these great spiritual gifts that these these ladies have. And uh, but but I love blackberries. Then after uh, then after the blackberries, in my chronological uh, line of thinking here as a, as a child, uh, after the blackberries, the peaches would come in. And uh, so now, before before the peaches, now there's actually blackberries all along my grandma's house. Whenever they're on Monday, and so it's exciting. You know, Cole he's starting to enjoy you know berries and blackberries and things like that. So he's eating blackberries, getting black stuff all over his. And but we went uh, down below her house, and there was you know all these blackberries, and there was a spot that was just pushed down. And then my uncle said, "Yeah, that's where uh, that's where my grandpa." Still sneaks out of the house, still gets in the black. That's where he came out and fell. And, and so he fell into the blackberries, but at least he got his blackberries. My mom got this little alarm that you put on the door of the house, you know, that like notifies you when he's going outside. But I think he figured out how to disarm it. And so, uh, but anyway, so, but sometimes shortly after the blackberries, peaches would come in. I mean, historically, out of all the fruit in my grandma's house, historically, the peaches, for whatever reason, they rarely did good. There was rarely a year that the peaches came in good, for whatever reason. But, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, and so we got to go down and make a special trip to Cander. Can I get anybody ever been to Cander? Amen. And, uh, but if you go down to Cander, there used to be down this old road, and I can't even remember, I probably can't even tell you how to get there now, but as a kid, there was a little shop off the side, and it had homemade peach ice cream. Brother Calvin knows the place I was talking about. We talked about this. Amen. And he said it doesn't exist anymore, but there was a place, and it was this shop, they had homemade peach ice cream, and it was unbelievably good ice cream. And, uh, and so, but peaches in the summertime, 
Uh, just recently, we, uh, uh, <laughs> and so when I was, you know, when I was that age, I was, in, I think I was in third grade, I think it was my third grade teacher, I went in, I told her, I said, uh, she's like, uh, she was asking, you know, where people had been, I said, yeah, I've been to Canada, and, but she was, you know, from Franklinville, so she knew that candor was probably what I was referring to. <laughs> there was another time when I was in fifth grade, I transitioned from Franklinville uh, to go to Gabi Tichi, and I was in fifth grade, and I was telling my teacher, oh yeah, my cousins, they own the Hard Rock Cafe. And so my teacher was so impressed that, you know, like a parent-teacher meeting, she, she talked to my mom. She said, yeah, I heard, I heard you have relatives that own the, the Hard Rock Cafe. And my mom notified me that the Hard Rock Cafe is not the same as the Rock Store Cafe located on Old Liberty and W.O.W. And so, so yeah, it's my Aunt Shirley and my Uncle Tootie. And so, but anyway, so, but as a kid, you know, you think, you know, you just think the, you think the, uh, you know, you just you think whatever, you think the funniest things. And, uh, and sometimes they don't always, they don't always come out right. You know, kids are, kids are funny. I probably shouldn't tell this story, but I've already uh, opened my mouth, so I'm gonna get myself in trouble. And uh, so, uh, <coughs> so <coughs> sometime in a, in a not so uh, distant uh, time and place, uh, aka last night, I was, I, I told Chloe, I said, uh, sweetheart, you need to go, uh, you need to go to the room. And she knew what that meant. And, uh, and so she, so I go in there and, uh, and so, uh, she had been, she had crying and my wife was in the room and, uh, she was going to get a spanking. And, uh, so I said, uh, so I, so she said, you know, that Chloe said, uh, you know, I was telling my wife why she was, she's like, but, but daddy said I lied. I didn't lie. He lied. And so I was like, okay. I was like, well, Chloe, what did daddy say? And she said, Eddie said, and so the issue was, she said, she said, I told her we were going to get to watch three. And, uh, and so I said, honey, I did not say we get to watch three, uh, three shows. I said, we, you know, I didn't, I never said that. Yes, you did, daddy. Yes, you did. So I go in and, and I said, what did daddy say? She said, daddy, you said we get to watch three stooges. And so, and so try explaining to a five-year-old that, no, I mean, it was, it, the show's not called stooges. It's called the three. Okay. And so, so needless to say, I spanked myself and not my daughter. So, but, but sometimes kids, you know, they think, they think, uh, uh, in their, in their little mind. And, uh, sometimes it was adults, I guess we, we, we struggle with communicating, but, uh, but anyway, so after, so you'd have, you'd have the strawberries then you back to my outline, you have the strawberries, then you have the peaches or excuse me, the blackberries, then you have the peaches and I love peaches, but probably my favorite fruit in the summer. Anybody want to guess? Watermelon. Oh yeah. I'm a watermelon fanatic. I love watermelon. Always have. And, uh, and so my grandma had a garden and my uncle had a garden. So they were like just, you know, not far, same soil, same everything. But my uncle always had better watermelons, better corn, better, but it didn't matter what it was. His was always better. Whether it was or not, it was. <laughs> and uh, so my, I did my, I did my other great uncle. And I guess it's just, a, 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 I guess it runs in the blood because my, my uncle Tommy's brother, uh, Bobby, I did his funeral here a couple years ago in this auditorium. And I said, if my uncle Bobby had a life verse, it would be Proverbs. Uh, it would be Proverbs 2014. It is not, it is not saith the buyer, but when he has gone his way, he boasted. If you had a gun, that gun might be worth $100. If he had the same gun, it was at least worth 1000 And so that was, that was just the way my Uncle Bobby was. And so my Uncle Tom, everything, was comp- my, my melons are better, my corn's better, you know, and so, but I enjoyed it because I got to eat, and I would, oh, yeah, it's definitely better. And, uh, and so, but I always, 
but I used to always anticipate, uh, always anticipate, uh, uh, you know, uh, the summertime. And uh, I used to go out there with my with my uncle. And I used to follow him around. I was his little shadow, and uh, he would go out there and we'd plant corn. I remember having the you know the hoe in my hands. I'd come in with a dirty face, you know, and uh, but he would come out and he would watch his corn grow. But when I went in the garden, I wasn't concerned about the corn. I could care less about corn. I was always watching the watermelon patch because I was watching that first watermelon. I wanted to make sure that I was there. You know, when he picked it, I wanted to make sure I was there when, uh, you know, when it, when it was ready. And uh, so sure enough, we'd watch it all summer long. I'd watch it, you know, grow, and then it would get, it would get massive. And uh, he'd pick it up, bring it out, and sit underneath the maple tree or out in the front yard. And, uh, and I'd take, you know, a piece of straw or whatever and sit it on there to make sure it's spun. You know what I'm talking about? It's spinning the old farmer's, uh, farmer's tail where you watch the straw spin around on the watermelon. Nobody's ever heard it. You thump it, then you watch the straw Okay, anyway, and uh, so, but, so, and Eileen taught me that, and uh, so, but, anyway, so he watched the straw spin on that, so I would anticipate that, and then finally, after it had been sitting in the shade, and sometimes he put it in the refrigerator, he would take the watermelon, put it on the, uh, on the table on the front porch, get out that big kitchen knife, and then sink it down, you know what I'm talking about, sink it down into that forest green rind, you know, then when it would fall open just like that, and you'd have that rich, deep red, with you know, in the contrast of the black seeds spotted all around in it. And they cut it up for me, and I'd take that big piece and just dig in. Juice coming down both sides of my mouth, juice coming down my hands and down my, you know, down my arms. And I was sticky as a hog and happy as a possum, you know, much like the kids were on Sunday night eating all their watermelon. And boy, I, and I loved, I anticipated, I anticipated summertime. And after the summertime, at the end of summer, grapes would come in. And so now we'll look at our Bible. And John chapter 15, and I want you to look at verse number 1 with me. John chapter 15 and verse number 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. There are four elements in this allegory that we see. The first element is the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine. In scripture, I found three types of vines. There's the past vine, there's the future vine, and there's the present vine. The past vine is mentioned in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse number 7, and it speaks of Israel. And if you'll hold your place here in John, I'll, I want you to just, to just to see this really quickly. Actually, um, uh, you can take your Bible and turn to Hosea. Turn to Hosea chapter 10 and verse number 1. Hosea chapter 10 in verse number one, it's also um, mentioned in Isaiah there. But Hosea chapter 10 and verse number one. And I'll read to you Isaiah's account in Isaiah chapter five, and verse number seven. I'll just read that to you, but you can hold your place there in Hosea. In Isaiah five and seven, it says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, oppression. 
for righteousness, but behold, a cry. Now, if you've uh, found that spot in Hosea chapter 10, verse number 1, it says, Israel is an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. According to, multi- to the multitude of the fruit, he hath increased the altars. According to the goodness of his land, they have made goodly images. So it talks about Israel was that past vine. And Israel was a vine that God, God planted and God had so much hope for, yet that vine would not. In other places it talks about it produced wild grapes. And it would not do what it was. But that was the past vine. The future vine is found over in Revelation chapter 14 in verse number 19. And I'll read it to you. And it says, the vine of the earth, it refers, it's referred to as the vine of the earth. And it says, it's, uh, it's cast into the great wine press of the wrath of God. And that's talking about the world system and how ultimately that's, that's going to be yanked up and God's going to cast that into the, in, you know, in the, in, the, in the wine press of the wrath of God. And, uh, and so there are people that, are, that attach themselves, they get their strength from the world. They, atta- they attach themselves to the world, to the world system. And there is, there is to, a, to a certain degree, there's, there's strength there, but that strength is not everlasting. And that strength will come to an end, and that strength will be destroyed. And then that's the future vine. And then we see in John chapter 15, the present vine. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. And his, uh, his triumph uh, is uh, it means our uh, it means uh, our fulfillment and uh, and it, so it says I am in verse number so John chapter fifteen verse number one I am the true vine that's Christ Christ is the vine the second element we see in this allegory <clears throat> is the branches the branches and we see it says uh, in verse number two there every branch. In me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth for fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And so the branches. So we see the vine, which is Christ. We see the branches. The branch cannot produce its own life. It must draw that life from the vine. The branch must be attached to the vine. It is our communion with Christ through the Spirit that makes possible the bearing of the fruit. In our relationship with Christ, fellowship can be sweet and flourishing, or that fellowship can be broken. Many of the images of Christ and the believer given inscription em- emphasize this important concept of union and communion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the body and its members. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 33, it speaks of the bride and the bridegroom. In John chapter 10, it speaks of the sheep and the shepherd. A member cut off from the body would die. If you lost your arm, then your arm would no longer be, be living after a certain, certain period of time. It would, just, it would just, just die. The marriage creates the union, but it takes daily love and devotion to maintain the communion. The shepherd brings the sheep into the flock, but the sheep must follow the shepherd in order to have protection and provision. The sooner we as believers discover that we are but branches the better we'll relate to the Lord. For we'll know our own weaknesses and confess our need for his strength. And I think about different Bible characters. Sometimes we, when we think of Bible characters, we think of these you know, elite, superhuman Christians that weren't like us. And yet, these characters of the Bible were just like us. Same flesh, same desires, same, same uh, uh, temptations. 
And do you know that the best of us, okay, the, the best of men are men at best. And as soon as we get to the point where we think, well, I can, I can, I can handle this. I can do this. I can do this on my own. I don't, I, don't need the, I don't need the Lord to help me teach Sunday school. I don't need the Lord to help me run my bus route. I don't need the, as soon as we start thinking that, there should be signs that go off instantly. Danger, danger, danger. Moses, the Bible says he was the meekest man on the earth. And do you know where Moses failed? He failed when God told him, he said, speak to the rock. And Moses, the meekest man, the most humble man, lost his temper. The man that, for, that was forbearing, the man that was gentle, the man that was patient, lost his temper in a fit of rage and wasn't able to go into the promised land. The one time, the meekest man in all of scripture, at his best, still stumbled. David, David was known and epitomized for his purity. And yet, in David's strength, that's still where he fell. And the point is this. We can never make the mistake of thinking, well, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm so far along. I've got, I don't need, we always need God. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And just a reminder that we are dependent on, uh, on the vine. We are the branches, but he's the vine. And, uh, and we've got to stay connected to God. Saul's life became that. Uh, David overall, you know, depended on God in so many, so many, uh, so many cases. And, but in contrast, Saul became more and more dependent on himself habitually and worked independently from God. And, uh, and there wasn't a lot of fruit in Saul's life. In fact, his son, Jonathan, who I believe was a phenomenal young man, and uh, he was a humble young man. He was a leader. He was courageous. He would have been a great king. And yet God said, I'm not going to let, not gonna let that, that uh, lineage continue through Saul's seed because of Saul's working independently. I didn't want to listen to God anymore. God wants us to be dependent on him. He is our source of strength. And the key word is uh, in John chapter 15 there is the word abide. The word abide is found, or, or, a, uh, or a very similar version of that word is found 11 times in verses 1 through 11. In verse number 9, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's continue in verse number, uh, uh, verse number 11. It's remain. But those are, are, are the same the same concept. But abide, 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 abide. What does it mean to abide? It means to keep fellowship with Christ so that his life can work in and through us to produce fruit. This involves the word of God and confession of sin so that nothing hinders our communion with him. And he says in verse number three, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. It involves obeying him because we love him. If you look at verse number 9 and verse number 10 there, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So it involves the word of God and confession of uh, sins. It involves obeying him because we love him. The branches bear fruit. They do not produce it. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 13 says, For it is God that worketh in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do you know that anything good that you or I accomplish, it's all because of God. Even the desire to want to do good is put inside of us by God. Isn't that God awesome? The God we serve. And so we see the vine. We see the branches. The third element is the husbandman. And in verse number one, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. This is God the Father. 
God the Father purges. Do you know that purging is required to bear more fruit? Notice the progression. If you will, look with me at verse number 2. It says, and and just the progression of uh, fruit there. So it starts out with no fruit in verse number 2. And then it says uh, fruit in verse number 2. And then the end of verse number 2, more fruit. And then we get to verse number 5, and it says much fruit. So it goes from no fruit to fruit to more fruit to much fruit. Many Christians pray that God would make them more fruitful but don't enjoy the purging process that comes along with us being more fruitful. The husbandman, he prunes the branches in two ways. One, he cuts away the dead wood so that that breed disease and insects. Secondly, he cuts away the living tissue so that the life of the vine will not be so dissipated that the quality of the crop will not be jeopardized. In fact, the husbandman will even cut away whole bunches of grapes so that the rest of the crop will be of higher quality. God wants both quantity and quality. Some vineyards invest two or three years in in training a pruner. And just to just to know where to cut and how much to cut and even at what angle to make the cut. And you know we have a heavenly father who's better than any professional and he knows exactly what we need and he knows exactly what needs to be removed. And he knows exactly what angle and when it needs to happen. And uh, we don't have to have anxiety over that. We just trust, we just trust our, 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 our husband and our Heavenly Father. And uh, some t- so how does the Father prune us? Well, sometimes he simply uses the Word of God to convict us and cleanse us. You ever been in a, ser- in, in a, in a, uh, in a service and you're convicted and the Lord speaks to your heart, Oh, I need to get that right. And come to the altar and say, Lord, I'm going to get that. And God's purging you. You ever been reading the Word of God and something, and you're like, oh, pricked in the heart, and then you're like, I, gotta, I, need to, I need to change. I need to work on that. That's God pruning you or purging you. And so sometimes he simply uses the Word of God to convict us and cleanse us. Sometimes he must chasten us. And uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and 1 through 11 talks about that. But the Bible says that even when we're chastened, that just reminds us that we're God's children, that he loves us. And sometimes he removes something precious to us. But as the spiritual crop is produced, we see that the father knew what he was doing. I think about, I don't know, a tougher situation to be in than that of Abraham. And when God told Abraham to leave, you know, his, his father and his, and his home country, Abraham did that, followed God. He uh, went, you know, for, for some time without, without having any children, and God blessed him. And then God said, take now thy son Isaac, thine only son, and I want you to sacrifice him. You know what God was doing? God was purging Abraham. And Abraham said the most important thing, the most precious thing to me. He said, God, that belongs to you. Lord, if you want it, God, I give it to you. And then God said, okay. And then then Abraham lifted up his hand, and then the angel grabbed his hand and said, nope. He said, I just, and God was, God was purging Abraham. God was testing him. And uh, God, uh, God knows what he's doing. The more we abide in Christ, the more fruit we'll bear. And the more fruit we bear, the more the Father has to prune us so that the quality keeps up with the quantity. All right? You ever, you ever been to the store and got fruit that was absolutely out of season? 
and it just tastes absolutely disgusting. <laughs> and, uh, and so I remember it. So sometimes like, I love tangerines. I love all kinds of fruit. But I love tangerines. But you ever get them and they just have the super thick hide on them and then you taste them and they like, have no flavor whatsoever. And I remember going out and I think it was, I think it was December. I think I went out there for Christmas. But I went to, uh, uh, to Ashley's grandmother's house and she had this tangerine tree. And uh, so I went out there and she remembers, I think she remembers, uh, do you remember her planting it? Or do you remember her telling you she planted it? And she, she just, uh, last Thursday, her, her grandmother passed away. She was 95, uh, 95. That's a good, that's a good old age. And, uh, but, uh, but it, it sometimes she pr- planted this tangerine tree uh, in her yard. And so when I got there, I was picking the fruit. And, uh, but, the, but the peeling was super, super thin. And it was the most, it was the sweetest, most, it was juicy, just the best tangerine you could possibly imagine. But a, a far cry dis- difference from, uh, from whatever I buy in the store, you know, when it's all season. <laughs> and, uh, and that's what God, that's what God intends our life to be. God doesn't want us this, this artificial, you know, <laughs> fruit that's, that tastes like nothing. God wants our life rich and sweet. And that brings honor and glory to him. And he, under, and he knows exactly how much pruning needs to happen. He knows how much purging needs to take place. But God is glorified by a bigger crop that is also a better crop. So we see the vine. We see the branches. We see the husbandman. And then lastly, we see the fruit. There are two types of fruit mentioned in, uh, that I find in Scripture. There's the outer fruit of soul winning. And if you'll take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 4, I want to show you this. John chapter 4, verses 35 through 36. John chapter 4, verses 35 and 36. It says, Say not ye that there are four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. So that's clearly talking about souls that are one to Christ, soul winning. In Romans chapter 1 and verse number 13, you don't have to turn there unless you, uh, unless you just want to, but Romans chapter 1 and verse number 13, it says, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you, even also among you also, even as among other Gentiles. And then the all familiar one in Proverbs chapter eleven, and verse number thirty, says, "The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise." So there's the outer fruit of soul winning. We bear fruit very simply when we win others to Christ. Are you looking for, for souls like a child or like my papa who has the mind and heart of a child looks for watermelon? I mean, do you, do you see people everywhere, everywhere you go as, I don't, I don't want to miss an opportunity. I don't want to miss somebody that the Lord has placed in my path to be able to, to, be able to, uh, to witness to. Last Tuesday... And there were a couple of guys out on the uh, on the basketball court in the out, out, outside basketball court over the school. It was uh, 6:25. I remember because I told my wife I'd be home at 6:30, and I knew if I left right at 6:25, I'd be home. 
And then there was a couple guys out there, and I was like, oh, I can't miss my opportunity. And so, sorry, sweetheart. Uh, but uh, but then I, I went down, and I don't want anybody to come on the school property or church property with at least without at least receiving you know a gospel tract, or at least they have an opportunity to, to to read the gospel. And so I gave these guys. They're probably about between 18, 20 years old. And, uh, and, and, but I went down, I said, Hey, I said, just, you know, our, our, uh, the property here is just a ministry of our church and ask them if they went to church anywhere. And then, uh, and then they were real amiable. So then I just, I just, you know, handed them a track and I asked them, you know, how about, do you know, do you know for sure uh, about your eternity? Do you know that if you, if you died today, do, are you hundred percent sure that you go to heaven or would you have some doubt about it? And then one of the guys said, well, I'd probably, honestly, I'd probably have some doubt. And I said, I said, I know y'all are out here playing ball. I said, and I don't want to, you know, take too much. But if I could just run up and get my, get my Bible and show you how you can know from the word of God, would you want to know that? He said, yeah. And so I went up there. And so I witnessed, you know, uh, went, through the, went through the plan of salvation. Both of them in, bowed their head, trusted Christ. One of them, who had not smiled like the entire time, after he, after he prayed and trusted Christ, he like lifted up his head and had a big smile on his face. It was sweet. But that outer fruit of soul winning, God wants every Christian to experience that. God wants every Christian to be a fruit-bearing Christian. Last summer, we had, a, uh, we had some last-minute plumbing issues as often take place right before school starts. You know, something drastic is going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, and so to make it, you know, extra difficult. And, uh, but I had to call some plumbers in. And, uh, and so but this uh, so it was last-minute, you know, last-minute things. You're, you're kind of rushing around and uh, trying, to get, trying to make things uh, happen and, and so forth. But there was, just a, there was just an opportunity there. And I remember, uh, you know, just giving the guy a track and just asking the plumber, I said, and it, this, this, was the, uh, this was the ironic thing. So we're both in the uh, in the upstairs classroom. There's a little bathroom in there. So we're both in the restroom, <laughs> and uh, so then um, so I end up witnessing to him in the restroom. So by the end of it, he's sitting. Obviously, the lids closed, but it was just funny because anybody walking by would have been like, "What is going?" On? And so he was sitting there on the toilet with the lid closed, and so he bows his head, trusts Christ as his savior, and uh, then he just starts crying. He's crying. Then I start crying, and uh, come to find out, his grandfather was a preacher. And he had known that he needed to be saved for a long time, but just had been holding out. But he got, he got saved that day. You know that God has, God wants us to constantly be. So soul winning, man, I, so for me, accountability and being in a, being in a set place, set, set time, that helps me. But I don't want to just go soul winning during my scheduled soul winning time. I want to always be looking for souls at the gas station, at the grocery store, um, in my neighborhood, and, uh, but God wants us to be fruit-bearing Christians. That is, uh, so soul winning. The second type of fruit is the inner fruit. And in Galatians chapter 5, if you want to turn there, this is the last place and we'll be finished. But Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22, speaks of the inner fruit of the Christian. In Galatians chapter 5, and verses 22 and 23, and it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. The 11 fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. God produces fruit in us for us to better 
serve others. Fruit is refreshing. Nothing like watermelon on a, on a summer day. Fruit is delightful. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think, of, I think of, you know, we just got some peaches the other day at the farmer's market, and they were, they were incredible. And, uh, but, you know, there's something about, uh, there's just something about that, that, that young man. The whole time I was witnessing to him on the ball court, didn't smile. And after he trusted Christ, a big smile came across his face. There's something about bearing fruit that's delightful. And, uh, and you know that God, and this is just a reminder to us, that God doesn't, okay, the, the branch doesn't eat the fruit. God produces fruit in our life for others to enjoy. And God wants to use our lives not to focus on ourselves. Now, God does as a, as a byproduct. God gives us, you know, peace, love, joy, all those things we get to enjoy as well. But the primary reason for the fruit is to be a blessing to others. And there's a lost and dying world all around us that need to see what true joy is and what true love is and, what, uh, and all, the, all the fruits of the Spirit there. I think of the time uh, where David, uh, David was coming. Uh, he, had, he had gone back to Ziklag, and Ziklag was, uh, was burned, and his wife and his uh, kids were taken, and all the men that were with him, the same thing had happened. And, and uh, David encourages himself in the Lord, and, and, uh, and then he goes out, and God had given him a direction, and he went out and he found, he found an Egyptian servant. And the Bible says that David gave him a piece of a cake of figs and a, and a couple handful of raisins. And the Bible says that, that his spirit came to him again. You know what fruit does? It revives. And God wants to use our lives to be refreshing to others. And my question is, do you want to be as refreshing to others as the fruits of summer are to a child? If so, then we need to abide in Christ walking in sweet fellowship with him, allowing his word to abide in us, reading it daily, meditating on the scriptures, being in our place in each and every service, Sunday school and all the services, listening and meditating on the scriptures, confessing our sins as we see ourselves in the mirror of God's word, and then just simply trust the husbandman to know what he's doing. And when God purges us, not to get bitter, but just to trust him. He knows what he's doing. He knows what's best for us. And he knows what's going to produce more fruit in our life. Father, we sure love you. Thank you so much, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for your word. And thank you for this.